Well, hey, welcome to Chi Alpha, everybody. My name is Brandon, if we haven't met yet, and I'm one of the directors here at Chi Alpha. Are you guys at least surviving the quarter? So-so, okay. Yeah. Hey, once upon a time, I was a student at Central. I was a film and video studies major, and I just remember being a student and coming to Chi Alpha every week and just being so refreshed, being in community and hearing from the Lord and worshiping Him. Have you guys been having a similar experience on Tuesdays? Come on. And I remember for me, too, there was moments when I didn't necessarily feel like coming to Chi Alpha, whether it was like, man, I got so much homework, or I don't feel like I have the social capacity, or I just feel busy. But every single time I said, Jesus, you know what, I'm just going to go because I know it's good for me, I was always thankful I came. Every single time I was thankful. I would be with my community, worship Jesus, and the Lord would always speak to me through the message. It's always important for us to enter into the presence of Jesus and be with community. Amen? Amen. Well, speaking of God's presence and community, I would love to just personally invite you again uh, to go to fall retreat, guys. Yeah. Fall retreat is going to be so awesome. If you're feeling, like, tired from the quarter and you just need some space, go to fall retreat. If you're feeling refreshed and you just want to be around people, go to fall retreat. Like, we're going to have some space on campus. We're going to have some awesome messages. We're going to have a costume contest on Friday night. Uh, football and games, reading time for our introverts, come on. And we will have Wi-Fi for your homework, so don't stress out. So hey, I just want to invite you again to come to Fall Retreat. If you've not signed up, you will not regret it. Well, hey, I'm going to welcome up our Bible passers uh, to come up to the front. Hey, if you don't have a Bible tonight, we would love for you to have one. And there's no embarrassment if you need to raise your hand and say, I don't have a Bible tonight and I need one. Um, we would love to get one to you. And if you don't have, like, a physical Bible with you at all in college, please keep this Bible. Like, we don't want it back. We want you to have God's Word with you. So don't feel like you have to give it back to us. And I'm also going to shout out to my sound team uh, to remember to record uh, the message for our podcast. You can check out our podcast as well. Well, hey, we're going to be continuing in our fall teaching series that we have labeled Foundations tonight. And we've been asking the question all quarter, what does Jesus say are the foundations of our life? And we know that there's countless sources that could tell us whatever we want to hear, right? There's so many sources out there that could tell us whatever we want, we want to hear about the foundations of our life, but we as a community are choosing to find the answer from the source of life himself, Jesus Christ. So far this quarter, we've talked about how we find foundation in community, aka finding relationship with God and in his people. We've talked about finding foundation in truth, aka seeing truth in the Bible and also in Jesus. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and finding our foundation in Jesus, and specifically in his death and in his resurrection. And then Meredith crushed it last week when she started talking about discipleship and the daily obedience of sitting and learning and living under Jesus' teaching. And so tonight, we're going to continue by talking about having foundational identity. But before we talk about that, let's pray. Jesus, we just pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word, through my words tonight, Lord. We just invite you in to speak to us. God, we want to know how to have foundational identity, what that foundational identity is, Jesus. And we want to learn from you, Lord. We want to hear about what you have to say about identity tonight. So we just invite you to speak to us and speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I tell you guys a story? Guys, can I tell you a story? Oh my gosh, come on. Okay. Okay, so the setting of my story takes place many years ago. Uh, the setting is 2010, the summer of 2010, and I am on my summer baseball team. 
I went to Linden uh, High School, shout out to the Lions, and I was on my baseball team over the summer, and I was a sophomore in high school going into my junior year. And I had a goal that I was going to make the varsity baseball team. And every single guy on the team who wanted to make varsity, who wasn't already on varsity, knew if you wanted to get on varsity, you had to play summer ball. Because our coach, he was the same coach for, obviously, our fall team. But he, like, he had the call to uh, say if we were going to be in varsity or not. And I remember uh, one of the first tournaments of the summer, I had one of the most stressful and impactful at-bats of my life in baseball. It was the last inning of the, year, or of the first game. We were down by seven runs, and we had rallied as a team to get six runs, and we were one run away. There was two outs, and there was a runner on second base. Now, if you know baseball at all, I'm up to bat. That's a very stressful situation. If I strike out, look like a fool, like all those six runs that we earned as a team, just it doesn't work out, we lose the game. Uh, I, I'll spare you the details, but I got a hit. I got a beautiful base hit right up the middle, and we scored the run, and we ended up winning in extra innings. And I remember at the end of the game being like, I am amazing. I'm so good. I'm totally going to make varsity. Let's go. And then we played our second game of the tournament. <laughs> and I played terrible. <laughs> I struck out like three times. I looked horrible, and I was just so defeated. I was like, there's no way I'm going to make varsity anymore, and I was crushed. What's the problem with my story? The problem wasn't that my desire was to make the varsity team. The problem was that baseball was foundational to my identity. Who I was at the time was a baseball player. This was who I was. I've been playing baseball. My dad had videos of me at like one years old, swinging a baseball bat. This was who I was. I was a baseball player. And the outcome of how well I did, for good or for bad, reflected on who I was. Does that make sense? And not only that, but I was so into baseball that my decisions and the decisions that I made in high school would reflect my value of being on my baseball team. So we had conducts of our baseball team that I would follow to a T because I wanted to make the varsity team. Has anybody ever been there before? Not only would I put so much stock in my performance, but also my decisions would affect the team. And I was very aware of how my decisions would affect my team. I was a Linden Lions baseball player. Therefore, my decisions reflected my team. You guys see where I'm going with this. I chose to place a huge portion of my identity in being a baseball player. And my choices were going to reflect the team that I represented. And as you guys can guess, this was not a worthy choice to put foundational identity in, especially baseball. Like, don't choose baseball of all sports. Like, that's like a game of failure. <laughs> But if you guys notice that we all want to represent someone or represent something, have you guys noticed that all of us desire to have value and purpose in our life? I can't, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's like, I don't want any value and I don't want any purpose in my life and I'm happy with that. That's just not who we are as humans. Every single one of us want to have value. In other words, we want to have identity. We want to know who we are. We want to know what makes our life valuable. For me, many years ago, I would have told you the reason why my life is valuable is because I play baseball for the Linden Lions. Where do you guys place your identity? Maybe you'd say, like, I am just like a student. This is like who I am. You're likely very success-driven. You maybe make a lot of decisions around schooling and your grades, but what happens if you fail a test? What happens if you fail a class? Are you a failure? 
Maybe you'd say, like, I'm an athlete like me. You're likely competitive. You find a lot of value in winning. But what happens when you lose? What happens if you break an ankle and you can't play sports anymore? What does that say about who you are? And how many of us know there's so many other identity statements that we say in our own heart? I am this, or I'm not good at this. This is who I am. Like, I suck at this. I'm not good at this. I don't do anything right. That's, this is who I am. Do you guys see how these identities aren't stable? They're not foundational. They can shift and they can change almost daily. And we all want and we need identity. But if we choose to place value in the wrong identity, we're going to be at the mercy of the thing that we've given our identity to. I'm going to say that again. We all want and we all need identity. But if we choose to place value in the wrong identity, we're going to be at the mercy of the thing that we've given our identity to. Why is this so important? Why is identity so important? Why are we so set on searching for something or someone to give us identity and value? Spoiler alert, you were created that way. You were created to find identity and value and purpose in God. He literally created you and gave you identity and wants you to find it in him. So we're going to turn to the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 26 through 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. We've got a slide here. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So this is our creation account in the book of Genesis. And do you guys notice how God gives humans identity and purpose? What does he say? He says, we are created in God's very image and in his likeness. Whoa. He says, we are rulers of this planet. And he says, we're called to multiply and fill the earth. He says, we're created in his very image and his likeness. That means that we all have God's very character in us. God's created us to look like him and to have his very character. He says that we're rulers of this planet. And he's given us a planet to rule. Whoa. And then he says, we're called to multiply and fill the earth. Now, I'm like, yo, if I'm Adam and Eve, like, that's some powerful identity statements, right? Like, all right, here's some life, and yo, like, this is who you are. Like, that's awesome. And I'm like, oh, they must have, like, walked faithfully in that, right? Like, oh, my gosh, like, that would have been so easy to follow, right? Uh, No. (laughs) The Bible teaches us, there's a very clear thing the Bible teaches us, that there is a battle for who you will identify with and who you will represent. Bible teaches that there is a clear battle for who you will identify with and who you will represent. What do I mean? We'll turn a couple pages to the right and let's talk about Genesis 3. I'm going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 6. I have a new character on the scene. 
Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. It's really easy to read this story and see this as a simple act of disobedience of Adam and Eve just taking some fruit off a tree. What's, what's the harm in that? And miss Adam and Eve giving their identity and value to another. Read verse 5 again with me. He says, the serpent says, you will be like God. It's easy to read this as a simple act of disobedience towards God, but miss Adam and Eve passing their identity and their value to another. We would like to listen to the serpent instead. Think about this. God gave Adam and Eve everything. Life, purpose. He gives them rule over the planet. The one thing they couldn't be was they couldn't be God. You can do all these things, but I'm God, and it's under my authority. And they said, that's not good enough. And I think it's really easy when we read the Bible a lot of times, we're like, yo, like, what were you thinking? Like, come on, it's not that hard. But can we just all have some humility tonight and say, we've done the same? Haven't we all done the same? Haven't we all been tempted and listened to the serpent and found identity and value outside of God? Haven't we all said, we can make a name for ourselves. Like, I can do this. I don't need God to give me identity. Like, I don't need him. I can do it on my own. Haven't us all been tempted to believe we don't need identity from God? God is the one that gives foundational identity. God gives foundational purpose, but we decided that wasn't good enough. We wanted to be our own gods. We'd rather represent ourselves than our creator. The battle for our identity begins in Genesis 3, and guess what? It's still going on. There is a huge portion of our planet walking in self-given identity, representing themselves instead of walking in their God-given purpose and identity. For example, if, if we collected every single thought, every word, every decision that was made today from everyone alive, and we dissected it and we said, was this done to image God or to image yourself? What would the results be? What would your results be? This is not how it's supposed to be. Could you imagine if everyone's top priority was to live as being people representing God and God alone. Every action, every word, every decision made at all times was to glorify God and embrace who we really are instead of looking to find it somewhere else. What would our world look like? Now, thankfully, God is not quick to bitterness and doesn't say, wow, like, we're done. Like, you, really? Like, you turned your face on me already? Like, okay, have fun. Like, your, you know, your new identity, that sucks. Like, the serpent, he's terrible. No, God goes, all right, rescue plan, let's go. God is missional. God desires to us, for us to come back into our true identity, so he begins a rescue plan, and it happens immediately in Genesis 3 if you read about it. Two weeks ago, Tim talked about finding foundation in Jesus in his death and resurrection. And Tim told us about how Jesus coming... Uh, Jesus came for us as a representative and he died for us. The scripture says this. The scripture says that Jesus literally became sin for us. 
Jesus' identity flipped, and he became sin. Jesus, the one, the one who is literally God in perfect relationship with God, he, he becomes sin. The very power, the very rebellion that is against God and seeks to, to overthrow God and to be against God, Jesus becomes that. And he dies for us. And then he's resurrected to crush it. He does that for us so that we can now stand before God alive again. What does this really mean? It means that we get to embrace who we truly are again. We get to embrace our identity again. Turn with me to uh, the book of Ephesians. I love using the table of contents to find Ephesians. Uh, uh, I always remember God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. God eats popcorn. You can steal that. You're welcome. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. This is a letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. This is a Christian audience. He says this, starting in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. I like that. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Man, that's like three God times in a row right there. You could just read that. There's a lot to unpack here. uh, But I wanted to give us a little visual uh, to help us process some of the identity statements that that, um, Paul states here. So like I said, Paul's writing and he's stating, he's making a statement for his Christian, Christian audience. And he says, he says, at one time, we were, in verse 1, dead. We were ruled by Satan. We were gratifiers of the flesh and we were deserving of wrath. How about that as an identity statement? Dead, ruled by Satan, gratifiers of the flesh and deserving of wrath. But Jesus comes in and now we're alive We're seated with Christ in the heavens. We're saved by God's grace. We are God's handiwork. Other translations say God's masterpiece, and we're full of purpose. That's a pretty awesome transformation, huh? It says that we're alive when we follow Jesus. When we decide to say yes to discipleship and be a disciple of Jesus, we're no longer dead. He says that we're no longer ruled by our enemy, Satan. He no longer has any power over us. At one point, he did. No longer does he now. That means that we have the power to say no to our sinful cravings. Because Jesus empowers us to walk in, the f- in freedom from sin. That's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is he helps us walk in freedom from sin. The scripture says we're seated with Jesus in the heavens. Now, literally not physically right now, but what does this mean? It means that we're blameless before God's eyes. 
No more wrath. He doesn't see it. He sees you as blameless. Some of us need that every day. It says that we're God's handiwork. We're God's masterpiece and we're full of purpose. And God has good plans, good works ahead for us. How does that change tonight how you see yourself? As people embracing our true identity, we also are given responsibility by God. He says that we get to be his representatives on earth. So turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll read uh, verses 17 through 21. It'll also be behind me if you want to follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, True story, if you didn't know, Chi Alpha stands for Christ's ambassadors in the Greek. That's where we get our name from. Do you guys know what it means to be an ambassador for someone? It means that you are the highest legal representative of them on earth. So like a political ambassador goes and represents their country. They're literally representing their country and their leader. So when the scripture says that we are Christ's ambassadors, it means that we are called to be the highest legal representative of Jesus. Right now, after Chi Alpha, when we go home, when we go to class, hit repeat. And we're studying too. We're called to be his ambassador We get to do that for him. So I want to ask tonight, how are we supposed to respond in our new identity? We're called to be Christ's ambassadors, to be his highest legal representatives. What does that mean for us? How do we respond to that? Well, the first thing is that it changes how we see ourselves and how we see others. Being Christ's ambassador changes how we see ourselves and how we see others. We're no longer people who need to find our own identity outside of Jesus. We're called to be God's chosen people. We're holy, we're blameless, we're God's masterpiece. And no longer do we need to hear anything opposite of what is true. How many of us know that every day we're tempted to hear what's opposite of what's true? Can I give you guys a tip? Replace the lies with truth. And do it over, and do it over, and do it over, and do it over until it's true. So for me, a big temptation uh, is to believe that my success uh, is valuable. Like, that, like my success in my job or my family, my success gives me value. Okay, that's my temptation. So how good something goes or how poor something goes always reflects on how I feel about myself. And for me, I need to constantly fight that with scripture, with, with truth. So when I hear in my heart of hearts, you have to be successful because this gives you value, I go, no. I am God's child, John chapter 1, and no amount of success or failure is going to change that. And I repeat that over and over and over and over until it becomes true. Would you guys be willing to do that? 
as God's masterpiece, we get to see others this way as well. We get to see others the way that God intended us to see them too. They're created in God's image just as much as we're created in God's image. And it's tempting to be like judgment, like to have judgment and slander in our hearts towards somebody else who's created in God's image, right? As an ambassador of Christ, we're called not to think that way or act that way. We're supposed to love people. The second way that we get to respond to be an ambassador of Christ is that this changes how we live. This changes how we live. Worship team, you guys can start making your way up to the front as I conclude. It changes how we live. Do you guys remember my story from earlier? Being a ball player. My choices would reflect my baseball team, who I was representing. And I wanted to best represent my team as, with my words and with my actions, right? But Jesus calls us to do the same for him. Jesus calls us to be an ambassador for him. Be the highest legal representative for him as we go tonight. I want to challenge you guys uh, in our reflection time to just write out any identity statements that are not true about who you are. You can do this tonight. You can do it in worship. You can do it when you go home. You can do it in your God time throughout the week as you spend time with Jesus. I want to encourage you to just write out what are, like, what are things that I believe about myself it could be as simple as, I am terrible at cooking, which is true about me. It could be as simple as that. And say, am I, like, am I finding identity and foundational identity in this, and I need to give this up? I'm going to pray and then pass it off to the worship team. Jesus, we want to be people who know who we are. We want to be people who find identity in you, purpose in you. Lord, we thank you that in Ephesians 2.10, you call us to good works. You have good plans, unique plans for every single one of us in the room to say yes to following you and to be an ambassador where we go. God, I pray that you just show us, like, where can we be an ambassador today, Lord? Where can we be an ambassador this week? Where can we represent you, Lord? Show us the temptations that we maybe have to not represent you, but to be tempted to represent ourselves or the serpent. God, I pray that you would just continue to speak tonight. Help us to really know what's going on in our heart of hearts and to walk in foundational identity that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen.